Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single morning celebrates the amazing people of Coastal Mississippi. Uh, they are working so hard to make this a better place to live, work, and play. And uh, before we go to first, our first guest today, I want to I want to ask Kyle to join me for just a second and just touch base with him. We haven't really touched base since the Saints played. Uh, got a big game coming up at the Super Bowl, uh, Superdome coming up this weekend. You're pretty excited about it, buddy. I yeah, about as much as I can be excited about seeing Tom Brady come into our house. <laughs> hey, but you know what? The Saints match up pretty well against Tampa. But, you know, I tell you, man, I'm still – I'm not a Jameis Winston guy yet. I'm, I, 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 he just feels hesitant to me, very hesitant. Um, thank God we've got some other parts of our team that are working. And as, and as Jeff Duncan has told us just about every single Friday, we've got a strong defense and it's really paying off right now. Yeah, I'm not sold on Jameis either. Um, what I saw on Monday night pretty much verifies what I'm thinking, that he can make some bonehead moves and just doesn't see the whole field. Um, yeah. Now, granted, there were some times that his receivers totally let him down. Three or four instances where they could have kept the ball driving down the field and they just simply dropped the ball. But again... As an overall picture, I just I'm not completely sold on Jameis just yet. Neither am I. It'd be interesting to see what Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune has to say about that on Friday. Hey, Kyle, I want to read something to you. This is uh this is a, a pretty interesting statement. It's one of the I live by, and here's what it says. It's so nice when toxic toxic people stop talking to you. It's like the trash took itself out. <laughs> You know, we don't spend enough. I've said it the other day when I talked to Dr. Conger, but we don't spend enough time thinking about the people who are around us, who the positive people are and who the negative people are. Are the positive people, do they help us see that there is a light and we should be working toward that and there's hope and opportunity and whatever. Uh, but, you know, toxic people can really turn you in the wrong direction, can't they? They really can. The Bad part about it is, for the longest time, you most likely don't know that they're really toxic for you. The only way you really understand how toxic some people are is to get away from them for a while and then return to whether it was you left for work, you left for school, whatever, and then you all of a sudden come back and you're back in that mix of people and realize that, hey, you've changed since the last time you've hung out with these people. and. You know, that that sometimes doesn't always happen when you're constantly around the same group of people every day. Well, you know what? That's a good point, Kyle. That's the, you know, sometimes you get it's like the frog bowling in water. You don't you don't you know, you just you're, you're there. Water's kind of slowly coming to a ball. You don't realize that you're about to get cooked. But the people around you get used to them and, and they just become part of your life. And it's not until you get away and go back that you realize, wow. That was a that was not a good environment for me to be in. But you know, people will pay more attention to making sure that the people they surround themselves with are hopeful and, and thoughtful and positive. It could literally change their lives. Yeah, it really can. And you know, it, I think just what it boils down to that just what that's what they call growing up, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> 
Isn't that true, man? Isn't that true? Well, anyway, thanks for all you do for the show, buddy. I really appreciate it. You bet. Not a problem. Okay, now let's move over to my friend, Caleb Olku, who has Olku Logistics in, uh, on, on coastal Mississippi. It was recently actually awarded a One Coast Award, and I was there to see it. And when I heard them read about him, I thought to myself, this is someone I really want to get to know, a bright young star here in coastal Mississippi. And when I read his bio, He's literally been all over the United States and uh, has a tremendous education. He's doing some really important work here. What brought him here is he married a, a Coast native, and in 2015, he brought his whole family here. But we'll get we'll get into all of that here just shortly. But, but before I go any further, let me just say good morning to you, Caleb. How are you doing, buddy? Good morning. Doing really well. appreciate that. Thank you. Well, look, well, I'm not kidding. I was sitting on the front row. You know, our table was front and center when you were awarded a One Coast Award. And I'm really proud of the work that we're doing to continue to, to, uh, to, to point out not only the community leaders, but the young, you know, top uh, 40, uh, or, or excuse me, top 10 under 40 who are just really making their mark, something that we started when I was at the Sun-Herald. And I'm really excited that we're continuing to do that. But now, when if I had to sort of, you know, say, okay, what would one of those people look like? I would have described you, Caleb, you know, the, your journey and, and the fact that you had this incredible perspective after spending time in Texas and New York and Chicago and coming back here to the coast and starting your business and doing the work that you're doing, you bring a great perspective. And we connect tremendously when it comes to digital media and the work that you're doing today. But why don't you do this? To, we're going to describe your company, but then I want to take a step back for a second and talk about where you grew up and how did you decide to go to college in New York City and, you know, the work that the, the work that you've done since then. But t tell me about your company. Sure. Uh, so, you know, I started it when uh, we moved down here uh, to the coast and you know, I worked with a local company to come up with a name because that's, you know, every entrepreneur's biggest first challenge is, man, what am I going to name my company? And one of my rules was I don't want to use my own, own name because, you know, it's kind of a strange name, four letters, two U's. And uh, they convinced me like, no, you got to use your own name. So anyway, we started Olku Logistics. And my first plan, I uh, worked for a major oil company for 10 years and very systems, very process driven and oriented. So my first plan was, hey, you know, I'm going to work with other small businesses and help them learn how to run their business better. And that plan didn't work out very well. Um, I didn't really find any clients, you know, nothing really worked out there. And I gradually learned how to do online marketing with the goal, of course, of marketing my own business. Uh, and I would go to chamber events and things like that. And when I spoke with other business owners, they would say things like, oh, do you know how to do Google ads? Do you know how to do Facebook? Do you know how to do, you know, search engine optimization? So eventually I was just like, wow, well, I should offer this as a service to other businesses. Um, it's much more interesting. It's what they're asking for help with. Uh, so I pivoted and started offering that as a service. And so, that's basically what we do now. We're an online marketing company. We specialize in something called search engine optimization, which basically helps websites rank higher on Google search. Well, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see what you've, what you've done with your path. You know, I, I have a son who works for Price Waterhouse in New York. 
and he's on the what what is called the treasury team. And what they do is re-engineering and reorg efforts for uh, the financial systems of major corporations. They may do some merger and acquisition work and bringing companies together. He's actually working on some international businesses now. He'll be, it should take him to Switzerland and places like that. But wow. he started his career in uh, Houston, working in the in the uh, petroleum engineering sector for Pricewaterhouse, and quickly kind of moved up to New York to be on, on the team up there. But um, it's kind of interesting that y'all sort of are in the same worlds together at some point. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, I went to uh, college. My undergrad degree is in chemical engineering, which is basically a degree that was invented for the oil industry. So then I went to work for the oil industry and, uh, you know, quickly realized that I was much more interested in the business side of that space. So I was an economist. I worked in the strategic planning group there, which is a lot more rewarding than uh, the you know, uh, parts of it focused on finding and refining oil. You know what's interesting, though, and I, this will help people who are who who want to sort of understand your path and and your the way you think. Let let me say it like this: Early in my career, I had this opportunity to join a major reorganization effort for Knight Ritter, the company that owned the Sun Herald at the time, and was able to work with uh, some of the leading, some of the literally the leading. Um, uh, consulting companies in the world on a, what is what was essentially a reengineering effort for Knight Ritter. Uh, there was 12 members on this core team, 26,000 employees in the company, lots of subsidiary companies, but I was one of the 12 members on this team. And um, I didn't know, I felt really sort of like uh, country come to town there for a while because I, you know, I didn't know if I was going to be able to hang with these Harvard graduates and others that I was sitting with around the table. But I quickly realized that I could, that my education was pretty good. And, and what I was going to learn with them is a lot about how to be a change agent, how, the importance of process and how to process re-engineer and uh, how that adds together into cost structures that help businesses either be successful financially or unsuccessful financially. And I was actually in that world for quite a while. I went on to co-lead the strategic planning efforts for Knight Ritter later in my career. But all of those all of those things sort of helped me become kind of a change agent. And, you know, in the day and time that we're in, whether you're in the media business or just in any business, the way that technology has transformed business in so many different ways. Um, we, we literally started one of the first Oracle systems when we centralized our financial reporting systems and, and so on. But what you learned early in your career really laid a basis for being able to start your own business and understand how to help clients do their own sort of process engineering around the specific skill set you bring to the table. It's very helpful for you, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, right now we have a, a team of people who, who help us with fulfillment, with execution. Go ahead. Hey, let's do, let's do this. I didn't realize this. We're coming to the end of this segment. We're going to pick your thought up right there when we come back on the other side of this. But the, we're having a conversation with Caleb Olku from Olku Technologies and we'll, uh, Logistics, excuse me, and we'll see you after this break. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast View. We're having a conversation with Caleb Olku, who uh, owns Olku uh, Logistics. And when we went to break, we had to, I, I didn't want him to get too far into his thoughts about or addressing how his time in the, in the petroleum industry sort of set the stage for him to have his own business and what he learned about process, really process reengineering, et cetera, and how that really transformed him as a leader, as an entrepreneur. And so kind of pick it up from there, Caleb. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the focus areas, of course, is building out systems and processes for ourselves, for my own business. And it's an area that a lot of entrepreneurs don't have a lot of experience with. Um, I got experience with that because I started my career at, you know, a very large oil major, uh, which was quite helpful. And uh, we've been able to take that process and systems driven approach to really grow to the business to a point where we, you know, my business partner and I, we, we ended up on a crossroads where we could either bring on board additional staff to help manage clients, or we could sort of pivot in a different direction. And we didn't want a layer of people in between us and the clients. We wanted to maintain that direct client contact. So we actually pivoted toward uh, building a coaching company to help other people learn how to do online marketing, search engine optimization, following the same process and systems-driven mindset that we used when we initially built our organization. Yeah, wow, that's so interesting. Your, your education is, is pretty significantly deep. Uh, it looks like every time you found yourself in a new location, you found a way to benefit from whatever whatever educational opportunities there are. And I noted that you'd, you'd gone to the University of Chicago. And uh, Roland Weeks, who was a uh, prior publisher and president of the, of the Sun Herald before I became president, he believed in management development. And man, look, he sent me all over the country for years. And University of Chicago twice doing continuing education stuff in the management side of things. But that was a terrific uh, opportunity for you to go to University of Chicago, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in a lot of ways, you know, my, my wife and I, we, um, we were engaged at the time. And uh, she's a physician, so she was trying to figure out where she could match, where she would end up going to do her residency, based on which cities in the United States the company that I worked for had offices. Uh, so she ended up matching at Cook County Hospital in downtown Chicago. So I asked, you know, my supervisor, hey, you know, my fiance is moving to Chicago. Can I go too? Uh, so they ended up moving me to that facility in Chicago. And, you know, if you know anything about, you know, first year residencies as a physician, you know, I never saw her basically. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I decided that I would do the, an MBA at the University of Chicago while she was at work all the time. Uh, so that was our, uh, our life for a few years there in Chicago. <laughs> you know, for people who haven't heard you, your, your initial uh, college was the Cooper Union. And for people who haven't heard, I've, I've actually heard of it, by the way. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a small but really prestigious college in New York City and uh, is highly ranked. But uh, tell me about the Cooper Union. Sure. So it's interesting. It was founded by Peter Cooper, uh, who you know was a, um, a big-time industrialist. And he believed that education should be as free as water and air. 
Um, so the Cooper Union was founded with the philosophy that every admitted student should have a full tuition scholarship, uh, which makes it very difficult to get into because a lot of uh, there are a lot of students who apply. And it, it's a it's a well-known regional school in, in New York City. And uh, I, of course, grew up in North Dakota. Um, <laughs> and uh, the Cooper Union, they only offer art, architecture, and engineering. Uh, and there's maybe, I can't remember exactly how many, there's fewer than a, a thousand students there. It's a small school. Okay, so look, you spent time in Washington, Texas, Chicago, New York City, you came back to coastal Mississippi because you wanted to change the pace of life, et cetera. Okay, first of all, what is appealing to you about coastal Mississippi? What, I want you to answer that first, but then what I want you to be to tell me more about is what you believe based on your life's experiences so far, what's the key to success? But let's talk first about what's what's your view of coastal Mississippi and how it fits into the larger universe? Yeah, I mean, we've really enjoyed being down on, on coastal Mississippi. Uh, I mean, it's a great place to, to raise our family. Uh, my son, uh, well, both of my kids, my daughter just started, she's six, they do sailing lessons. And it's just, I mean, it's wonderful, right? I grew up in North Dakota, we didn't have a lot of sailing lessons there. Um, so, uh, and, the, you know, meeting the people down here, getting involved with the community. Uh, my wife is actually the vice president of the Junior Auxiliary of Gulfport. Um, and, you know, we've done a, a variety of things down here. So it's, it's, it's been a really great place to come down and raise a family. Uh, you know, we, we started in, in Houston. That's where our son was born. He was born in Houston. And that was just a difficult, uh, stressful time in life. Uh, to raise a, a child in Houston um, and, you know, in Washington, D.C., which is where we later moved with him. Uh, and it's just been really, you know, it's been great for us, for our family, to be down on the coastal Mississippi. Okay, so as you look back on your sort of sum total of experiences, what's your sort of advice to other young people who want to pursue their dreams? You know, a lot of people get locked into a world they don't really want to be in. And I talk about surrounding yourself with positive people and being able to see the light and, and, and being committed that there's a light there and then working your butt off, not in an eight to five scenario, but in a dogged determination kind of way. That's where you are in your life today. What is it that you would say to a peer who's thinking about maybe pursuing a great idea? Yeah, and you know, I've had this conversation with few people, and generally, what I what I try to impress is to fail as fast as possible, uh, because what we don't want to have happen is it's you know it's a great idea, maybe it's a great idea, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't, and we don't want to spend years and years and years trying to figure out whether it's going to work or not. If it's going to work. Clearly, we want it to. And if it's not going to work, we want to find that out as fast as possible. So sort of the first focus is, OK, what are all the ways in which this idea could not work? And let me go explore as fast as I can so that if it is not a great idea, if it's not the great idea that I think it is, then I can switch gears into something that might actually be a good idea. You know, most first ideas aren't going to be, you know, a huge success. And it's, you know, it's funny, people say like, oh, you know, an overnight success, an overnight success. Well, you know, most of those overnight successes were years and years in the making, you know, many, many fast failures before the overnight success actually happened. 
So fail fast. And you know, the other point is you learn, you learn so much from failure, don't you? Absolutely. You know, we started running, you know, ads on, on a variety of different companies. And it's one thing when we're running ads for our clients and we can say, oh, you know, the performance isn't great. You know, we have to do some changes, et cetera, et cetera. And then when we start running ads for ourselves, when it's our money, right? When we're, when we're writing checks with our money to write to run ads, you learn a lot faster when <laughs> uh, when it's your own, you know, your own assets, your own resources. Yeah. Yeah, Caleb, you're you're a, I, you're so articulate. I enjoy I enjoy uh, meeting with you. One day we probably ought to circle back and talk more about what it what it means to be successful in life. But what would you say to someone who has an idea? Who's scared to death to pursue a goal of, of going after that idea? They're stuck in maybe a, a rut or an eight to five job and they just are f scared to death. You made that leap. What's your advice to someone else to make that leap? Yeah, and it's interesting. So, you know, one of the things that's so common among people is this, you know, we call it the imposter syndrome, right? Super, super common, uh, where people feel like, they don't belong where they are. They haven't earned where they are. And if they went and tried, they wouldn't succeed because all these other people are smarter than them, are better than them, are more experienced than them, whatever it happens to be. And the crazy thing about imposter syndrome is if you're feeling that way, it's actually a really, really good thing because the only people who feel like they're an imposter who get that feeling are people with like a growth-oriented mindset who are trying to do something that they're not used to, that they haven't done before. Uh, and so that feeling of what you're describing, of being a little bit scared, I mean, that's how you should feel, frankly. And, you know, if, if you're not ready to make the leap and, you know, leave your job and, and try it, then you know, find a different way to carve out time and, and see if it'll work. But it's not it's not just dipping your toes in, because remember, we want to fail fast. We want to find out as fast as possible if it's actually a good idea or not. So, so jump all in and see if it'll work or not. And if it won't, hey, no problem. Find another yeah. idea. Yeah, I, I love the way you talk about that syndrome, because I, I have to tell you that there have been numerous times in my career where I, I kept putting myself in a position where I'd be uncomfortable, where I had to stretch, where people around me were teaching me and making me feel really to be feel inferior in the moment. And I had to work harder to try to keep up. And then two years later, I was taking another step and then taking another step. And I felt like that the stress, the stress of constantly taking that step and taking that risk was really important. And it all paid off in the long run. It certainly paid off for you. But Caleb, we're at the end of our time together, but we're gonna come back together again. And we're just gonna talk about lots of stuff besides just your business and your early career you have a lot to teach it's been a pleasure to talk to you absolutely a real pleasure ricky thank you for having me this has been caleb uh, oku from oku logistics and uh, we'll be back in just a second Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. A Supertalk Mississippi media production.